Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Glenn is, Glenn is not going to like this. <laughs> Rob Cherry in for Glenn Mack now today with Mike Sealski for a Saturday morning. Mike, how are you? I'm great, Rob. Good to be here with you. It's uh, now we've never worked together, but you've been a guest on shows I've been on. Like that is the correct. Show this week. That is correct. There is so much going on right now. It's it's unbelievable. It, it's a great time of year. It really is. Um, you know, college football is starting again. We got the NFL on the horizon. Uh, the Phillies are treating September so far like they've treated the last few Septembers. It's uh, it's pretty cool. That's what I wanted to start with is the Phillies because what, what it was scary what happened last night. You know, you going into that road trip that they're on now on the West Coast, Glenn and I had talked about this a couple of weeks ago. You say to yourself, okay, they've, they've basically got a month where they're not going to face a team that's over 500. Except for the Braves at some point. Right, yeah. in the middle of September. So you're going to, you should be able to solidify yourself in the playoff race, maybe put some distance between yourself and the San Diego Padres, kind of solidify that second wild card, maybe even chase the Braves if you have delusions of grandeur. And you lose two out of three to the Diamondbacks. You come into San Francisco and get blown out 13-1. to And this is three out of the last four games that they've surrendered double-digit runs. This is insane. And their starting pitching has been brutal. So here's how last night went for me. I'm not sure how it went for you. Uh, There was a riveting tennis match between Serena Williams and uh, what was her opponent's name? Ilja Izla Tomjanovic. At this point, it doesn't matter who it is because no. <laughs> everybody's rooting against her. Yeah. I mean, I feel bad for whoever's playing them, but, but I think they're even rooting for Serena. It, it, I, I heard somebody describe uh, the last two matches that Serena played. Anytime one of her opponents would get a point, there was a golf clap in, yeah. in, in Arthur Ashe Stadium. And that's true. I mean, the, the crowds were so partisan for Serena, and understandably so. It's probably the last time. She'll play in the U.S. Open. She's nearing retirement. The sentiment is there, and that's the way that crowd at that event acts. We've seen it in the past with Jimmy Connors and other people like if that. If you walk out of the room, which I did several times during there, it was a long, it was like what, th- close to three hours, I yeah. think. You walk out of the room, you hear applause, wild applause, you know, that Serena won. If you hear, you know, the golf clap, it's exactly. the other girl wins a point. Uh, and, you know, everybody was acknowledging how great she is and mm-hmm. appreciates her greatness, even those who are tired. I mean, when somebody wins a lot, at times you get tired. It's like, well, let's get somebody new in here. Yeah. No and, matter who it is. Yeah, that's true. But the, the flip side of that is that the line and winner 
coming back to make a charge yes. late in his or her yes. career is one of the most compelling stories in sports. You know, the idea of Tom Brady, I know he's a villain around here, I get that. But to have him win another Super Bowl with the Buccaneers, there's something interesting and dramatic yeah. about that. It's a story it's a story that everybody sort of can relate to. It's like, mm-hmm. well, this this person was supposed to be washed up, supposed to retire, whatever, and they're still out there doing what they're doing. Th- there's a reason that Top Gun Maverick has made a bazillion dollars <laughs> in, th- in theaters this summer. Part of it is be- for that reason. I think it's Tom Cruise and the character, like, he's old, is he still an ace kind of thing. And if you've seen that movie, it's a very dramatic storyline. I think we, as a society, kind of like that narrative. No, I didn't see every second of the match, but I understand Ben Simmons' picture came up on the uh, video board, big board. The, the, apparently the only booze that have taken place <laughs> in the entire they know? tournament. You know, it didn't take him long up there in Brooklyn to uh, kind of reveal what we had seen in Philadelphia since his time uh, joining the Sixers. They asked him to play in game four. Are you ready? And he said no. 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 Didn't even want to be on their uh, little uh, team meeting or whatever. It's funny. I'll, I'll listen sometimes to people on TV, you know, national NBA coverage, whether it's ESPN or Fox Sports, things like that. And, and you hear people say things like, well, if, you know, look at the Nets. If if you have Kevin Durant and if Kyrie Irving gets his head right and if Ben Simmons is there, Ben Simmons isn't going to have to take any jump shots if you have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. It's kind of like, you know, at some point, folks, you have to evaluate <laughs> what you're seeing regularly from this team. And and the idea that the Brooklyn Nets are going to be a team to be reckoned with just strikes me as kind of, you know, pie-in-the-sky ridiculous thing. doesn't Ben Simmons still have a high ceiling if he ever devotes himself to learning how to shoot or practicing shooting? I, I don't know, Rob. I really don't. I mean, in theory, yes, but he, he hasn't done it yet. I mean, But he's only 26 years old? Yeah, I mean, but but everybody knew this thing about him and has right. known this thing about him for years. I can remember talking to his father before game six of the Sixers Raptors series back in 2019 at the Wells Fargo Center. And I asked Dave Simmons point blank, what about the fact that Ben won't shoot? And his father said, don't worry about it. He's 22. He's 23. He's young. Just enjoy it. It's such an honor that he gets to, to guard Ka- Kawhi Leonard in this series. And I was kind of like, okay, uh, I guess. And He's made no progress, and if anything, regressed since then. And Kawhi Leonard hit that shot over Ben Simmons. Yeah, yeah, and Joel Embiid. So it's, yeah, here we are. Well, the most damning thing I ever heard him say, and it was, I think there were only a few reporters around, uh, I don't know if it was a practice or whatever, but they asked him what if he needed to work on his shooting in the offseason, whatever, something like that. And his response was, I'm an all-star. Yeah, yeah, that's our friend Jack McCaffrey from yeah. the Delco Times. I'm an all-star yeah. is his response to you need to work on my shooting. Yeah, yeah, I mean, look, he's he's... He's a different cat in that, you know, I, th- I think he's, and I actually wrote a, a column about this in the Inquirer a couple of weeks ago. Like, he's, he's a case study in, like, there were red flags all over the place with him, but it became conventional wisdom to think, well, they either they don't matter or they won't matter, and here's why he should be the first pick in the draft. And it became very easy to overlook the fact that, for instance, LSU took a step backward with him from the previous season or that he would score a lot of points and collect a lot of rebounds and LSU would still lose Uh, or that in Australia he wasn't playing against a really high level of competition compared to say the AAU and high school and college teams that 
kids who were born and grow up in the States do. So, you know, you get this kind of collective narrative of, well, he's going to be the first pick in the draft because everybody says he's going to be the first pick in the draft and that he should be. And then you end up with these weaknesses that never get corrected. And only in hindsight can you look back and say, oh, well, we should have seen this coming. Well, who knew that his work ethic would be like, I'll work on everything else, but I won't work on this. Right. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. It, it was the one thing. And, and, you know, you wonder about him uh, from that mental health standpoint. I know we're all skeptical and rightly so uh, of it, but there's clearly something there where he does not want to shoot the ball. And that's, and that's a, a mental health thing. Yeah, that's a mental. That's something that's mental. If you're yeah, not it's, wanting to it's, shoot, it's Steve Sachs disease of yeah. of basketball, which very few people. And we've seen it with guys shooting free throws. Right. We generally don't see it with guys shooting jump shots. Right. Yeah, that's a hundred percent right. But I mean, and that's the thing, right? It's it's anybody, any layperson watching a basketball game can see Ben Simmons and see his speed, see the way he handles the ball, see the way he passes the ball, and say, boy, if he only shot, took would shoot the ball. Imagine the player he would be. And that's what I think at its core frustrated so many people during his tenure here was you can see how great he will become, could become, and it's he's not tapping into that, and he seemingly just refuses to do so. He has four superior skills. It's mm-hmm. the fifth that he just doesn't, yep. doesn't want to work yeah, on. Yeah, it's a, it's a shame. All right, so anyway, so he gets booed at the Open. The Open ends, and I don't know, but I stayed around for the interviews mm. because I wanted to hear what Serena had to say. I actually wanted to hear what her opponent had to say about Serena mm-hmm. because it was so fascinating. I, I didn't stay for the I was, uh, I was I'm down the shore this weekend yeah. in Sea Isle City. My, my kids were in bed. I needed to get, get to bed. <laughs> but So I didn't stay for the interviews. Were they compelling? Yeah, I mean Serena to me at, at this point of her career or at the end of her career, just to hear what they ha- what an athlete has to say about the end, mm-hmm. and and hear her thank all these different yeah. people. It's just and you've never seen uh, you haven't seen the uh, the movie about uh, King Richard. No, I haven't. Which was a fascinating movie. Mm-hmm. Just to, to hear like the end of her career uh, to me, it's like it's a historical thing. Yeah, the, the one thing I did hear her say was that um she thanked Venus for her role yes. in Serena's success, which was really touching to me you know that i have two sons and and i want them to be close i want them to be best friends and the fact that serena and venus seem to have that relationship which is not necessarily an easy thing given that serena the younger sister eclipsed the older sister as a player um that 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 touched me to hear her say that yeah it was it was a very touching and she obviously was serena was emotional but then they go to venus and she's not i'm like well there's got to be a reason behind that Mm. Maybe she just knows the cameras are on her yeah, and she's yeah. trying not to take from her sister's moment. That could be. Um, so anyway, so that ends and the Phillies game is on. Mm. So and, and it's on Apple TV, which is not the easiest thing to find. No. Not, uh, no. You, have to have, you have to either have Apple TV, have to have a laptop or Mac or whatever. So I turn that on and it's 4 nothing already. Ooh. And then it's 7 nothing. Jock Peterson hits a three-run homer. And then yeah. it's like, what the hell is going on with this team? Yeah. Pitching, pitching, pitching. And the irony of this is that People seem to think, and justifiably so, that that would be a strength for the Phillies coming down the stretch. Starting pitching. Starting pitching. You had Wheeler and Nola. And Suarez. And and Rangers have been a solid number three starter. And Dave Dombrowski had fortified the bullpen. He had gone out and gotten David Robertson. And you thought, okay, he got Noah Syndergaard, you know, who, who may or may not start a game in the playoffs, assuming the Phillies get there. But at least he can help you get there every fifth or sixth day. And he looked solid, except for the last game. He's looked solid in all of his starts. Yeah. Um, and now they've, they've just hit this patch, you know, the first two games of the Diamondback series and, and last night against the Giants where 
it might as well be slow pitch softball out there. It's it is scary. So is this the beginning of the end, or was last night confirmation that you know this is it? <sighs> this is where they're headed right now. We're going to get another September where we're disappointed. I think everybody is, you know cynical about this and justifiably so the Phillies have not been good the last three or four Septembers you know you go back to 2018 when the guy who beat them last night Gabe Kapler was their manager they were like 14 games over 500 in the summer and then by September it was starting to fall apart yeah it really was and um they were what 14 and 16 I think in September and October last year um got swept by the Braves in that critical series where even though Bryce Harper was rightly the MVP, he didn't hit in that one series, and it, and it kind of hurt a little bit. Not to take anything away from the season he had, but you know that was the most important series of the season. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's fair to to say to the Phillies, you got to show us, guys. You know, yeah, a number of you haven't been here the last few years, Kyle Schwarber, Nick Castellanos, guys like that, but the, the most most of you have, and it's time to play like you're in a pennant race and it doesn't bother you it seems to something seems to happen to this team come september right, you mentioned bryce harper i believe they were 32 and 20 or 33 and something like that when when he was out mm-hmm. they're supposed to get better when he comes back <laughs> what, what i mean seriously yeah. what, what's happened well castellanos missed a couple games with turf toe uh and look bryce harper can go up there and go four for four every night if you're if your pitchers are going to give up 13 runs each night you're going to have a hard time winning games. Um, so Rob Thompson said after last night's game, you know, this is a blip. This is, we will get out of this. This is just one of those stretches in a baseball season where things go haywire and they'll eventually stabilize themselves again. Maybe he's right, but I can understand the anxiety that Phillies fans are feeling right now because it looks like at least after last night, oh my gosh, it's September and here we go again. All right, I got to ask you about the pitching. Aaron Nola, um, obviously his last start was hideous. Mm-hmm. Everybody talks about September with it. Last year, it seemed like it was all throughout the season. Sprinkled throughout the season, he had games like that where he melted down. Is this it? Is this what he is now? Look, there's an argument to be made that Aaron Nola is underrated. If you look at the totality of his career with the Phillies, uh, that the number of in- innings he pitches, his, his ERA, his walks and hits per innings pitched, you know, the numbers that really count for a starting pitcher generally compared to two other starters in the National League, he's really, really good. But there's also no denying the fact that he has not pitched like an ace at any time during September when the team has been in contention. So, again, I would say the same thing about Nola that I say about the Phillies as a whole. It is on him and them to prove to the people who follow them that they are ready for prime time. And his last start brings all those questions back up. They just it just does. Right, the baseball draft began in 1965. Mm-hmm. Since then, the two best pitchers they've drafted, starting pitchers they've drafted, are Cole Hamels and Aaron Nola. There you go. In s- how many years? That 57 years. Yeah. Those are the two best pitchers they've drafted. Yeah. Why can't this team draft pit- draft pitchers? I mean, look at their history. They they have precious few periods where they draft well at all. You right. had. You know, the late 60s into the early 70s with Paul Owens and, you know, where they draft Schmidt and they get Boa. Boa Lazinski. You know, yeah, the, that young core. And then you have the Mike Arbuckle era, um, 
you know, where he's leading the scouting staff and they're able to draft, you know, they draft Chase Utley and Jimmy Rollins and Ryan Howard and Hamels and you get Ryan Madsen and you find Carlos Ruiz and before you know it, you're celebrating a World Series and five straight division titles. And it's been pretty barren, all things considered, since then. And look, Rob, this is a team that this season, a franchise, won its 10,000th game in its history. And they've got over 11,000 losses. They lost their 10,000th game 15 years ago. We celebrated that. (laughs) (laughs) And that was before they won a World Series, before they got good. Yeah. Really good. 2007, they lost their 10,000th game. So the Phillies are what they are. Look, I grew up as a kid loving them. Um, I've covered them for a long time. Not as much the last couple of years, but um, there's a reason why people kind of look to the sky every September for the anvil that's going to fall on their head. And there's a lot of history in that regard, and uh, I'm sure people are feeling it this morning, too. My childhood as well, 1964, when they collapsed in late September. All right, so the last question I have about the Phillies is, why hasn't attendance matched the way they've played this season? Is it because Phil's fans are skeptics and waiting for the sky to fall in and waiting for them to actually prove themselves? I, I think that's part of it. Glenn and I have, have batted this around a bit the last couple of weeks. Um, I think that's part of it, I think. At least this past week, speaking as a as a parent, my two kids were starting school again. So getting them to, you know, activities and stuff outside of um, anything related to school was not a high priority. Um, if the Phillies had, had been in town, I wouldn't have taken them to you know anywhere, let alone a, a Phillies game. I think cost is an issue. Um, I saw a, a report a couple of weeks ago from a, a tech reporting firm that ranked the average cost of a family of four to go to a Major League Baseball game based on the the stadium and the team that you'd go to see. And the Phillies were kind of in the middle of the pack, but it was more than $200 for the, between right. the tickets and parking and food and drinks and all of that stuff. So, And I do think your point is is well taken, that there's skepticism. It is, okay, you know, we're, we're not quite there yet. Um, and, and the final wild card, I think, is that the re, one of the big reasons that the 07 to 2011 teams were loved as much as they were was that their very best players were homegrown players. And Bryce Harper, people love him, but he's not a homegrown Philly. They didn't watch him grow up, so to speak. And I think that in baseball, that matters. I think it does. So the fact that he's from Washington, even though Washington won a championship after he left, the fact that we hated him for a while, we can't because Pete Rose came here in 1979, I guess it was. And look, we hated him as a Red. Mm-hmm. There, Dykstra came here yeah. and loved him as a Philly. Loved both these guys as a Philly. There's no love, and he got a standing O his first his first mm-hmm. week here. And yeah, I'm not I'm not saying people don't love Bryce Harper. I'm just saying that 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 uh, th- those teams, the two Phillies teams that won championships, the '80 team and the and the 2008 team, people could grow up with those right, teams right. in a way that they haven't been able to with these teams now. The Phillies went just basically went out and said, we're going to spend a lot of money and get some guys who can hit, and Zach Wheeler. And that's what they've done. And if I'm not saying that if they get to the playoffs, people won't be excited and, and all of that. But I am saying that there's something different about a team where you can watch, ooh, who's this kid Ryan Howard, he's been hitting home runs in the minor leagues, and now he's up here. Chase Utley was the first-round pick, and oh my gosh, his first major league hit is a grand slam. There's something kind of magical and sentimental about having a team that's great built around guys who you saw come up when they were young yet we 
loved Jim Tomey right away. Oh, yeah. People love Jim Tomey right yep. away. Yeah, well, it was hard out. not to. A really good guy. Yeah, really good work guy. ethic and all that stuff. So, anyway, uh, we'll get to a lot of – we'll get some Phillies conversation going. When we come back also, we're going to talk some Eagles and throw some things about the Eagles. We Sounds start good. in eight days. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a week from tomorrow. In Detroit. And there's, obviously there's questions about the Eagles, but there's a lot of answers as well. Yeah, there are. I think they should be pretty good. Right, Rob Cherry in for Glenn Mack. One for- Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 5592-9494. Rob Cherry in for Glenn Mack now with Mike Sealski this morning. So we're talking about the Phillies uh, who uh, play in San Francisco this afternoon. Well, the second of their uh, three-game series against Gabe Kapler. So they're one in three. Yeah. On this West Coast road trip. Yeah, not good. The West Western road trip. No, it's not. And this was the trip where you thought, well, if there's going to be any hiccups along the way in September, this might be it. Well, you did and you didn't because they were going for, they were playing five series in a row. And the combined records as of last week with those five of those five teams was something like 99 games under 500. So you thought, you know, okay, they're beating up on Cincinnati and Pittsburgh at home. Then they got to go on the road and face the Diamondbacks, who weren't very good. They've been really hot lately. Uh, and you get the Giants, who have been They've fading. lost seven in a row yeah. going into this game. Yeah, and uh, and here they are, and they're 1-3 in this road trip. Uh, the pitching has not been good by any standard. Um, and 
they're losing ground in the wild card race. Now they're still three and a half games ahead of Milwaukee, but they're they're now in third place. But yeah, behind San Diego, San Diego's up a half game, and that yeah. was a they were two games ahead of the Padres not too long ago. And uh, the, they come home. They've got some games here. Atlanta comes here, I think, mid month, and they go to Atlanta as well. Yes, yeah. So look, I mean, there's no other way to frame it, Rob. It's put up or shut up time here. Um, and if they don't, if something were to happen where they fall out of the playoff picture and and don't make it um it would it would be the the worst outcome of any that we've seen over the last few years since they became competitive again all right so does rob thompson keep his job if they don't make the playoffs because well, everybody know, said they, they should have signed him immediately after they went on that nine game win streak i guess it was yeah because we can't allow a full baseball season to play out no of course not. we have to react after every game exactly um it's one of the things that i know i sound like a a, a really old crotchety guy here but it's one of the things that i really dislike about sports coverage now is that we treat every single small moment whether we're talking about a play and at bat a game as if it is the be all and end all and reveals everything and you need to take a step back often and just see the bigger picture and we don't do that often enough well that's part of sports talk radio so we provide an, uh, a forum for this yes yeah it's exactly event right. about stuff like this which that's is fine. good all right so the eagles uh a start in detroit on September 11th, a week from today. And I've been hearing a lot of people praising Howie Roseman for all the moves they made this week, the cuts and all that, the uh, pickups, uh, mm-hmm. the guy they traded for, the safety they traded yeah, for, the guy, the guy they traded. Does he deserve as much grief for drafting Jalen Rager as he does praise for trading for him? <laughs> trading a, him? Yeah, look, um, Howie's very good at erasing the mistakes that he makes. He really is. And... In fairness to him, if you look at how the Eagles have drafted over the last few years, um, he's acquitted himself pretty well. I mean, you're talking about Jordan Maialata, you're talking about Dallas Goddard, Avante Maddox, you know, there have been Devontae Smith, you know, the perception that how he misses an old, can't draft and can't find talent isn't entirely accurate. The flip side of that, of course, is that when he does miss, it, you know, it's, it's a fairly significant miss, and Jalen Rager was one, especially because Justin Jefferson went immediately afterwards. So, um, look, you know, people, people acted like Jalen Rager walked the streets of Philadelphia punching babies in the face, and he just wasn't, he just shouldn't have been a first-round draft pick. That's all there is to it. Um, so he, they got something for him. That's great. It doesn't mean he was a smart draft pick to begin with. Well, one of the things that always annoyed me about the Andy Reid era uh, with Joe Banner and all those other people who were involved there, was when they would say, well, we just filled a need by drafting a guy. Well, you just created a need by cutting a guy or, or drafting a guy that wasn't very good, so you had to fill a need. Don't praise yourself for filling a need after you created one. Yeah, and the other thing is don't necessarily think that you filled a need simply by drafting a player, right? right? Like a couple of years ago, they trade up to go after and, and get Andre Dillard. Um, and as it turns out, Andre Dillard... While not a bad player, you know, obviously broke his arm and, and is not going to be available for a while, but he's not their starting left tackle, and he's a guy that they moved up to get. And, but you watch a coverage of an NFL draft, whether you're talking about like the national perspective or if you hone in on your team that you care about, we give these draft grades as if they mean something, and, and they never do because you don't know how these players are actually going to perform once they get to the National Football League. Well, we live in an age of instant gratification yeah. where we have to know right away yeah. 
how I mean, we're doing. Look, the most significant NFL player of the last, I don't know, 30, 40 years was the 199th pick in the 2000 draft. And he only got a job because the other guy got injured. Right. Yeah. So what are we talking about here? Um, you know, and in fairness to the Eagles, look, they have, they do have a really good young core. Um, they filled whatever holes on paper needed to be filled uh, this past offseason. I think it's it's totally reasonable to have high expectations for them as a 11-12 win team. Let's see what the quarterback does with these weapons. Let's see what the defensive coordinator does with more talent on that side of the ball. Let's see how Nick Sirianni adjusts to teams and opposing head coaches adjusting to him based on his first season. Right. Should they have waited to trade Rager or did they trade him at the right time? Waited yeah, during the season for somebody to... That's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, look, you know, I don't know what role he was going to fill. I, presumably he was going to return punts for them, I guess. Which he and, wasn't very good at. Right. And, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of... A, <clears throat> pardon me. I'm kind of an outside-the-box thinker when it comes to certain aspects of special teams. If I were the Eagles, I wouldn't put a punt returner out there. You don't have somebody like a Deshaun Jackson or, if you remember, Dante Hall with the Kansas City Chiefs who was a danger to, number one, was a danger to score a touchdown every time he touched the ball. Darren Sproles? Darren Sproles, perfect example of that kind of guy, but also the kind of guy who does something else that is really valuable, right? Deshaun Watson was was an elite deep receiver. Dante Hall played wide receiver. Darren Sproles was a running back and a receiver out of the backfield. The Eagles don't have anybody like that on their roster. So it didn't to me. It didn't make sense to keep Rager just to be a punt returner. You're burning a roster spot on a guy who does this niche thing that you don't necessarily need. What is your position on Devin Allen? Who I find him intriguing because he's obviously he's a world class hurdler. He's a would have been world champ had they let him run. Yeah, uh, and he lo- he made the most spectacular play of the preseason. Two spectacular plays. One on uh, one catch in a football against third stringers, mm-hmm. and the other was uh, on special teams. Yeah, look. We always get intrigued, you know, I, I joked on social media the other day that they ought to give a, um, there ought to be a Billy Hess Memorial Award. <laughs> um, for those of you longtime Eagles fans, you remember Billy Hess. Went to Westchester. Went to Westchester, had an incredible training camp and preseason with the Eagles in the late 80s. Um, became this darling of, hey, is he going to make the team? And he didn't make the team and, and, you know, I think lives in the Lehigh Valley now, but... We, we fall in love with these kind of receivers, you know, whether it's Paul Turner or Hank Baskett or people like that. They become kind of... Gizmo Williams. Gizmo. Folk heroes. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. That's a good, great That's another there. one. Yeah. Um, but Devin Allen is not going to be... I mean, he might be a gunner on special teams. He's also 27 years old and hasn't played football, hadn't played football in six years. So you can look at it in one of two ways. You can say, well, okay, give him a chance and he'll get accustomed to playing football again or... Are you really going to use a roster spot on a guy who hasn't played football in six years? He so. looks like he can play, though. He maybe a little he, bit. He and looks maybe, like he's most most of the uh, the track guys are just like guys that run up and down. He right. looks like he actually wouldn't mind contact. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I think that's true. Um, like I said, I think he was an interesting story to people because of his background and because what he was trying to do was so unorthodox. Um, but. Is this season going to come down to Devin Allen? No, it's going to come down to whether Jalen Hurts can get the ball to A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and you know take the step forward that the Eagles need him to take if they're going to compete for a Super Bowl. Right, back to Howie. Can we wait and see whether all the pieces fit well, on offense and defense where we say what a great job he did? Absolutely. We, we have to say now that, no. oh, Howie's tremendous. No, we don't have to say anything now. Um, you know, I think one of the interesting 
ways to look at this is that if you're Jonathan Gannon, if you're the de- you're the defensive coordinator, you know, I know it's a big topic of conversation on on this station. You know, how good is Gannon really, and is he playing such you know did he play such conservative coverages and schemes last season because that's what he's naturally inclined to do, or is it because that was the personnel he had? And so when you can't generate a pass rush, once Brandon Graham tears his Achilles, you have your safeties play, standing in the Jetro lot so that nobody, so that they keep everybody in front of them. Uh, I get that. The Jetro lot. That's, that's, <laughs> you know, that's outside, outside the stadium. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. So, you know, nobody's going to get behind the Eagles' safeties because they're that far back. Um, but that's not the situation now. You've added Hassan Reddick. You've added... Defensive backs, you signed Kazir White, you drafted Nakobe Dean, there's more depth defensively. So Howie and and the front office, in a way, have kind of insulated themselves from the criticism that, well, you're not giving your defensive coordinator anything to work with. The other side of that, if you're Gannon and it doesn't go well, is you can say, well, I'm trying to assimilate all these different pieces quickly. Um, You know, we were talking earlier about remembering previous Phillies disasters and and you know teams that fell apart i think everybody uh who doesn't have short-term memory loss around here remembers the dream team in 2011 and the idea that you know the eagles went out uh and signed all these guys in the wake of the nfl lockout and uh namdi and dominic rogers cromarty and jason babin and this is going to be awesome Vince young was a guy that said dream team right and it did not work even a little bit and so you know i'm somebody it sounds like you are too, Rob, where you're just kind of, yeah, let's let's wait and see. Let's let's just hold the phone. On paper, they should be really good, but paper doesn't matter much. What was the record of the Dream Team? Do you remember? Uh, in 2011, they went 8-8. Eight 8-8, and eight. Eight and eight, And yeah. then the following year, 2012, they went 4-12. and 12. They were, I think they were 3-1 and one and then lost 11-12. Yeah. And the you. one game they won, I think, was Nick Foles uh, throwing a touchdown pass. In, in Tampa. Yeah. Tampa Bay. The legend was born that day. It was, and who knew that Nick Foles would be, <laughs> would be the savior eight years later, or hey, four, five years later, whatever it was. You're talking to the guy who, uh, in December of 2017, I was at the Coliseum in Los Angeles when Carson Wentz tore his knee up. And the column I wrote that day was, well, there goes the Eagles season because <laughs> they just lost the prospective MVP and their most important player. Uh, so it was nice while it lasted, but... You know, so much for those Super Bowl dreams. <laughs> well, my theory was they could get to the Super Bowl because mm-hmm. Nick Foles, because the competition in the NFC wasn't as great. Nick Foles could step up when he needed to, but they couldn't win. Well, I mean, yeah. nobody thought that. I, well, I shouldn't say that. Um, I think the general consensus was that they were going to have a tough time with this Tom Brady fate. and Bill Belichick. This is our fate. We finally get a team that can play, and mm-hmm. then this this happens. Yeah, but but the flip side of that again was, you know, the Eagles all season had been wired to be the kind of team that would beat the Patriots because they had conditioned themselves to perform well in the situations that a team needs to perform well in to beat Brady and Belichick. I'll, I'll never forget, uh, after co- having covered that Super Bowl and then watching the NFL Films replay of it, and there's this amazing clip that NFL Films got from the Patriots' sideline of James White, the running back, when the Eagles are going to go for it on fourth and goal and they're about to run the Philly special, James White can't believe that they're going for it. He, he just can't get over this. And then, of course, Trey Burton throws the touchdown pass to Nick Foles and James, James White's just incredulous. He can't believe this. And I always chuckle when I see that because anybody who would watch the Eagles 
for any significant length of time that season was not surprised that they would go for in that situation. They had done it all year. It was old hat to them. And so that, to me, was a big reason why they won that Super Bowl was that they they were ready for the positions they needed to put themselves in to win that game. It's a lot more pleasant than the last time the the Eagles played the Patriots in the Super Bowl when the sideline thing with Bill Belichick is, wait a minute, are we ahead? Yeah, yeah. Because they were... Couldn't figure out why the Eagles were moving so slow. Right, and, and and a really good contrast in that the Eagles came out like gangbusters in that game. Even though it was seven seven at halftime, they really dominated the first half from a from a you know play standpoint, and ended up gassed in the second half. Um, and and part of that was because they were so pumped at the start of the game. You know, Andy Reid talked about this later, and Belichick has talked about this in the years since that they were just they kind of burned off all their energy too fast and the Patriots having been there before knew how to handle the build-up the long halftime all of that kind of stuff um and then one could also make an argument that the Patriots were cheating too so <laughs> I, I think some that. Eagles have still made that argument oh, yeah. that, that they're yeah. cheating all right when we come back uh I want to ask you a, a couple questions an age-old question about whether uh well, I'll wait till we come back about okay. that. And another question about uh, philosophy, which uh, you discussed on the you were you were asked this on the morning show a couple of days ago. Yeah, I I, I ended up reading from um, Descartes and Kant and <laughs> Nietzsche. And, yes, uh, yes, we're going to get into a couple questions when we come back. Our number is two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Rob Cherry in for Glenn Macknell with Mike Sealski. WIP Sports Time is ten forty one. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Our numbers: Rob Cherry in for Glenn Mack now with Mike Sealski on a Saturday morning Labor Day weekend. Used to be they started football season Labor Day weekend. They started football season Thursday night, I think. Um, yeah, before Labor. Day. Yeah, yeah. School starts before Labor Day in a lot of places now too. That, that I, the, the whole school before Labor Day here, I don't understand. I, you know, other it, places I know it's been happening for years. Yeah, I, I'm not crazy about it. Um, for one thing, my kids are not going to have a full week of school, I think, the first three weeks of the semester. Uh, it's either going to be four days, you no. know, because of lab- either Labor Day, Jewish holidays, things like that. So, um, and it just feels like the summer is so much shorter. So, did you like the Labor Day weekend opening of football season? Or, uh, I, I assume they moved it back because people were, some people were still on vacation. They yeah. wanted to get the maximum viewership. Yeah, I, I, I think Labor Day... I feel like Labor Day is supposed to be the end of the summer. That, right. You know, boom, that's it. Now we're making the transition to the fall. This is, honest to God, my favorite time of the year. Um, once the weather starts to get a little cooler, I still feel like I'm going to be going to classes somewhere, whether at LaSalle. And or, you look forward to going to classes? I, I did. See, I, I, hated, I hated the fall because it was the end of the summer. Now, I've, I've, since I've worked here 30-some years, I love it because football season is the best time to be here. Yeah, and I was, I'll, I'll be up front. I was a... I was a nerd in school. I yeah. liked school. Um, I liked going back. Um, and it was also, you know, the beginning of football season, the end of baseball season, or the Phillies in any sort of a playoff race. Um, before you know what the Flyers and Sixers will be starting. And that I just, I always feel like September is actually the real new year as right. opposed to January. All right, it's good to get, get a couple of phone calls in here. Neil in the Northeast, you're on 94 WIP. Hey, Mike. Well, you know, definitely uh, New England with the 511 yards of offense in the in the Super Bowl. You know, they yeah, you know that was a back and forth game, one of the best in Super Bowl history. You know, when yes, they it won. was. Yes, it was. I was there. I had a um, uh, I had to file a column within five minutes of the game's end, uh, and I had a, basically three quarters of a column written about the how the Eagles had won the game and 
Alshon Jeffrey had guaranteed they were going to win and they had fulfilled his promise. And then Brady drove the Patriots to go ahead touchdown with what, six, seven minutes left. Right. And uh, I was dying a thousand deaths in the press box, not because, you know, I wanted the Eagles to win because I was a fan or something. I wanted the Eagles to win so that my column would hold up and I wouldn't (laughs) have to rewrite the whole thing in five minutes. And uh, so thank goodness for Zach Ertz and Brandon Graham. Yeah, yeah, Brandon ran script, and even Brady's ball at the end, you know, finally being incomplete, like the last play of the game. Yep, yep. Do you have a question, Neil? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I like, you know, like Howie's moves, you know, like that, and I, I think, uh, you know, Rager, the, you know, get to get a couple draft picks for him, I'm glad that they, ha- you know, happened, and, and I, I think maybe, and you know, it's intriguing, like Allen and Kane, you know, they have like depth on the practice squad just in case anything happens to receivers. I'm wondering uh, who you think um, does the returns maybe in kickoffs or, or punt returns. I think Did they try Boston Scott like when punt returns and maybe uh, – um, does um, you know does um, for uh, kickoff? Well, here's what Quez, I th- Quez Watkins yeah Quez. Said. Here's what I think: the kickoff is, pardon me, it's an easier thing to handle. It is a little bit easier to be a kickoff returner than it is to be a punt returner. I think they're going to end up signing somebody probably to return punts. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't see anybody on the roster now who jumps out. And when I was there on Thursday, when Nick Sirianni was asked about this, and he didn't even give a name. He didn't suggest anybody. As I kind of hinted at with you earlier, Rob, I would not put back anyone to return punts. I think unless you have somebody who is incredibly great at it. Just let it bounce? Just let it bounce. Not even a fair catch? Did you see the movie Moneyball? Yeah. Okay. There's a scene in there where Brad Pitt slash Billy Bean is talking about, he's talking to his players on the Oakland A's. And he says, when the other team lays down a sacrifice bunt, just pick up the ball and throw it to first base. Don't try to be a hero. They're giving you an out. Take it. I feel that way about returning punts. Again, unless you have Deshaun Jackson, the other team is giving you the ball back. Just take it. Let it bounce. Let it bounce. Even if it goes 20 yards or 30 yards. Let it bounce. Because as we saw, for instance, last year in the playoff loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, there is a lot that can go wrong on those situations. And... Unless you have a player who is a difference maker in that role, and the Eagles do not, just take the ball back whenever the other team wants to give it Has to you. Has anybody in the history of the NFL ever not had a punt returner? Just let, let it bounce. I covered a game when I was working in New York uh, back in 2013. I was covering the Jets at the time, and the Jets played up well, in Well, of course the Jets would do that. Well, it was a strategic thing because right. the conditions that night, it was, it was a very rainy night in Foxborough. And the Jets, similar to the, the Eagles, didn't really have a, a guy who was a clear-cut, terrific punt returner. So they didn't have anybody back there, and they tried to block a punt every time the Patriots got to fourth down and were going to kick the ball away. They didn't block a punt, but it didn't hurt them either. And I think this is one of those things in sports where it's like, well, we've always done it this way. We've always had a punt returner, so why would we change that? Well... Maybe there's a reason to change it. Think outside the box a little bit. Well, the Jets aren't the organization I would follow, though. For no, like but it, it didn't kill them in that game. It right. didn't hurt them in that game. They didn't win, though, did they? They nah, lost like 13 to 10, yeah. something like that. Um, and, and look, I get it. Like I remember where I was when Deshaun Jackson pulled off the miracle of the Meadowlands 2 as well, um, and that was an amazing moment. 
Uh, but given wasn't the that three, wasn't Westbrook's two? You're right. It was yeah, that was so that was three. three. I was yeah. at Westbrook's as well, which was also a punt return. So I understand where people are coming from with like, oh, you wouldn't have those great plays if you didn't have a returner back there. But the Eagles don't have a Brian Westbrook or a Deshaun Jackson. So make the best with what you got. Scott in Florida, you're on ninety four WIP. Hey fellas. Mike, I was interested when you said, Oh goodness, when uh when uh Carson got hurt. And I, I called up, I went to Harrison, but then I went out. I'd never been west of Hershey, and I ended up at uh, University of Arizona. So I've always been an Arizona fan, uh, but I'm from Philadelphia, so I've always been a Philly fan. And I called up Howard, and I said, hey, Nick Foles just got his uh, Christmas present early. And Howard, like, poo-pooed it, like, you know, you're out of your friggin' mind, you know. And uh, so anyway, it did turn out, and uh, I have to say, the I... I was elated, but I do feel that Super Bowl was the perfect storm. Mm-hmm. The few things that happened leading into it uh, made it so that that one day Nick had his best, uh, best game ever. I think. I think the, uh, go ahead, Scott. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say I. Th- I think that is the perfect Philadelphia sports moment. I think um, the fact that it was Nick Foles, uh, the fact that it's the backup quarterback coming in there to beat the best quarterback of all time and the best coach of all time. Uh, I don't know that that will ever be topped in terms of uh, if you wanted a Philadelphia team to win a championship, that is the way you would want a team to win a championship. Doug Peterson outsmarting Bill Belichick. Exactly. Exactly. Um, So, yeah, I I think your point is well taken. As far as Howard goes, he is inscrutable. So, uh, you know, uh, there's there's no telling what he's going to say or how he's going to come down on something. Yeah, this year's team, though, I must say um, a few things I've noticed, one of which is uh, Fletcher Cox seems uh, more upbeat. I don't know, he looks thinner to me, but, um, you know, there's just uh, the whole uh, chemistry in there with adding a few young people into the defense, I think, and then uh, Brandon getting back and stuff like that. Uh, I'm very optimistic. And and they all, the other thing I think is – and they don't have to be this way, but they all really respect uh, um, Hertz, and they're not dummies, so they, they have to respect them for a reason. So uh, we just got to wait. We can talk about it all we want to, but fortunately uh, next week uh, uh, the proof will be in the pudding, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to a lot of positive things happening. Thanks for the call, Scott. I'm, I'm really intrigued about this season, and, and Hertz to me is a really interesting um, – case study in the value of a quarterback in the modern NFL. Uh, I've said this before that if this were like 1989 or 1991, there would be very few people saying, well, of course, you know, the Eagles should move on from Jalen Hurts, right? Because back then, I think we placed, those of us who followed football, placed a greater emphasis on the leadership qualities of a quarterback. Now, because of the salary cap and fantasy sports, there's so much more of a discussion around the quarterback's physical attributes. Can he make all the throws? Does he throw in rhythm? We get very technical in terms of how we're evaluating a quarterback. And on some of those qualities, Jalen Hurts is not up to, or at least hasn't shown that he's up to, a Patrick Mahomes, a Justin Herbert, a Josh Allen, an Aaron Rodgers, the very, very best in the NFL. And it's really going to be a difficult question, I think, for the Eagles to answer because they're going to have to make a decision at some point whether to pay Jalen Hurts a lot of money to keep him here or to 
potentially move on if he's if, if he's not quite as good as they would hope he would be. Right. The Eagles quarterback back then, 1990, was Randall Cunningham, yeah. who was not a prototypical quarterback and that he ran. I think he ran for 947 yards, something like that season. Yeah. Yeah, something and like passed that. Passed for thirty some touchdowns. Right, but but Randall at the time, I mean, he was the NFL MVP one yeah. year. He was a spectacular player at quarterback. I think to to Scott's point, Hertz has the intangibles, you know, and then some in what you would want as a quarterback. The question is, now that he's got better weapons around him, whether you're talking about AJ Brown, you know, Devontae Smith in his second season, Dallas Goddard. Can he do all the things that a quarterback in the modern NFL needs to be able to do physically to help his team win games? But would you say Randall had leadership qualities? Nah, talk- not as much as Hurts. No. no, no, and that's what I think. That's what separates Hurts, and what that's why Hurts has perhaps a higher ceiling. Although I thought Randall was the best Eagle quarterback ever, my mm. opinion. Uh, Hertz has a, a big a high ceiling because he's got all this other stuff. He just has to work on his arm and his throwing. Yeah, it's th- that to me is the whole key. You know, is he going to throw with anticipation? Uh, you go back to that, <clears throat> pardon me, that Tampa game, and I think we've all seen that replay where there's the the interception that Hertz throws late in the first half, where Devontae Smith breaks open and is wide open, right. and Hertz is a second late getting rid of the ball, and it allows the safety to come over and pick the pass off. Y- you can't make that throw this year because the expectations are too high, the weapons are too talented. The offensive line is there. The defense is better. If they're losing games or not playing as well as they could because of Jalen Hurts, they're not going to make a change this season, um, but they're positioned where they could yeah, after, I, after I this season. I think they audition players every year in the NFL, even if they have long-term contracts, just just the way it is. I think Hurts especially is auditioning for his job again for the second straight year. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah. And, and he, to his credit dismisses those questions which is what someone in his position ought to do but it doesn't mean that those questions go away but he seems like he's mentally strong that that stuff really doesn't bother no he's not just saying that no I, I think that's true uh his teammates are unflagging in their support to the point that uh I wonder if Nick Sirianni in particular maybe goes overboard a little bit um but they, they like him and respect him. There's no doubt about that. All right, I didn't get a chance to ask you the two questions. we got a break here, so we'll do that in the 11 o'clock hour, which will also feature the uh, This Day in Eagle History, because something very interesting happened oh. on This Day in Eagle History. You're going to have to demystify me. Just a few years ago. Uh, also, uh, what we're watching. Yes. You have something you're I, watching. I have a good, a good uh, local tie-in to what we're watching. Right, 215-592-9494. WIP Sports Time, 1059.
Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.